0: Again, in Sportsmanlike conduct. we break down the recent Michigan news with Jim McElwain looking like he will come in and take an offensive coordinator position with the Wolverines. And we talk about the Pistons and their recent struggles but win the other night. We'll talk about what they're going to keep doing this season. Also, the Cleveland Cavaliers we've been talking about a lot in this show ever since the trade has been doing better. We're going to talk about what that means for them. And then we'll get into a little bit of baseball for the first time in a while. Talk about the uh, 2018 Detroit Tigers and what they're going to do this season. All that and more on Sportsmanlike conduct. And welcome into unsportsmanlike conduct, pro sports show where we talk and you listen. My name is Andrew McDonald. I'll be your host. And only one of us today. Elena is actually sick. She will not be here. But sitting across from me is uh, my my co-host here, Evan Petzold. Evan, how are we doing?
1: You know, I'm doing really good. I I just want to bring up a, a couple things real quick. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, Evan, stick to sports. Andy, stick to sports. But I mean, at some point, you got to reach out and you got to recognize things that are that are going on in the world. And it was it was just yesterday, February 14th. Uh, mass shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. That's the that's the, the Miami metro area. And there were seventeen people killed, fifteen hospitalized, and, and you know, they have the, the shooter in custody and all that kind of stuff, which is really interesting because, you know, in a lot of the, the mass shootings in recent history, a lot of the, the, the shooters at least have taken their own lives and and in this situation you know he's gonna he's gonna get to talk. He's gonna get to say what he what, what he wants to say, and I'm just I'm interested to hear that. But obviously, you know you you mourn the losses of those 17 people. I mean that's that's 17 families that that don't get to see their loved ones come home, and and you know and in, in the United States especially, there there should be no no child that goes to school feeling unsafe. There should be no parent that feels you know unsafe sending their child off to a to a school. That that's not how it should be. Um, you know, don't want to get it, get into how how they should change this or how they should they should <laughs> fix things, because that's a whole other story. But yes. really, just just all my prayers going out to out to those people in, in Parkland, Florida.
0: Yeah, without question, it's definitely a definitely a sad day to hear that. I was actually just in Florida uh, this past weekend, so yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy that it happened that that soon from when I was there. And I actually have a few friends uh, that still live down there right now. Um, one of them actually uh, had a a Snapchat of it from a, a kid that he knew that was actually at the high school. One of the craziest things that I've ever seen. Like I can't imagine like being in high school and going through that, and like trying to go back to school yeah. and like thinking you're going to be safe after that. So
1: no, no kid should ever have to go through that. That's just exactly. Just line. It, it
0: just it's just like mind changing, and it kind of messes with you in general. And um, it's really just it's really sad that it keeps happening in our country here in America. And it's it's something that's got to be dealt with one way or another. It's pretty hard to deal with this whole thing with gun rights and everything. A lot of people have yeah. different views on it. Like mm-hmm. you said, this is a sports podcast overall, so we're not going to get into what could probably actually happen yeah. to change that, but. Nevertheless, you got to put some kind of effort towards it to make a change because if you want to say something to these people and try to help them out and really, really mean something, someone's got to step up and make a difference. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future here, but definitely a very sad day uh, yesterday to hear about that kind of stuff happening. So, um, but other than that, we'll uh, we'll go into something else in the state of Florida, but he's actually trying to come up here to Michigan. Um, apparently with the recent news that we've <laughs> yeah. had, where we'll start our podcast with uh, Michigan Wolverines football. Um, former uh, Florida coach Jim McElwain is uh, apparently coming up here to coach uh, for – Wolverines. Uh, it's not. It's not official yet, but he has been offered and is expected to accept the position uh, somewhere on uh, Harbaugh's coaching staff. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, w- I would think that it's probably the offensive coordinator spot with a, a coach Fistacher.
1: Well, well. Here, here's the deal, and here's here's what I've been hearing with with all of that. Um, right now, he's taking over for for former receiver coach Danny Enos, Enos, who was only there for a couple of weeks, oh, and th- and, that, and that was it. And then he went over to to Alabama, but I guess uh, McElwain's taking over that spot, but. Also, have been hearing that he would not have gone to Michigan if a coordinator spot was was not a part of the deal. You know, Pep Hamilton's a passing game coordinator. Mm-hmm. Tim Dreven of the offensive coordinator. Some type of coordinator position he he wants to be in. Whether it's the offensive coordinator, whether it's a passing games coordinator, he wants the he he he's he's not coming here. He's not going to come to Michigan uh, unless he has uh has the coordinator title. And and so I'm I'm expecting him to to have that title. Um, and then, as far as you know, when he's joining the staff, I'm heard that I heard that there's going to be an announcement made some sometime sometime next week um, for for all that kind of stuff. But but yeah, I expect him to take a take a coordinator coordinator title of, of some sorts. Just not really sure where they're going to have him fit in.
0: For sure, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely interesting, and especially you know with the big season coming up here for Michigan's offense. Period. Um, after you know having one of the the worst you know rankings in pretty much every offensive category, mm-hmm. one of the worst offense in the Big Ten just in general. Michigan just did not score a lot of points towards the end of last year, you know, after everything they had that go wrong with their quarterbacks and stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how he can come in and help fix that, even if he isn't necessarily a, you know, quarterback specialist. If you're working anywhere in that wide receiver field or anything like that, yeah, it's all a part of it. And there's still a lot of young guys in that receiving core. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. I mean, overall, do you like the move?
1: Yeah, you no, know, I like the move. And I, I kind of wonder <clears throat> in, the, in the back of my mind if McGuin's going to come in and if he's going to be a guy that, you know, in, instead of you know being the head coach, and getting the final decision on plays is he going to is he going to call those plays is he going to you know take over the the play suggestion duties um, that 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 Drevno was in cuz cuz Drevno Tim Drevno would would call the plays and then every time there'd be some some stuff that would go wrong Harbaugh would say you know every play goes through me every play goes through me i wonder if MacCoin's going to take over that th- th- those duties at least and i think if he does I mean, we we, we got to have a serious talk about that because I, mean, I I think that could that could be something interesting. I, I like what I like what he's been able to do. I obviously struggled a little bit. Um, you know, you know with Florida but in 2015 he was the SEC coach of the year. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give him that much. That yeah. was impressive and and I think he definitely has the tools as a coach. He's been there, you know, he's he's even been to to the NFL with the Raiders coaching quarterbacks in 06. He's been there doing that. He's he's been all over. I mean, you you look down the list. You know, Montana State, Louisville, Michigan State, Fresno State, Alabama, head coach at Colorado State, head coach at Florida. He's been all over. He knows he knows college football. Mm-hmm. I, I see it as a great fit.
0: No, oh, yeah, and a lot of guys bounce around and stuff happens all the time. I and mean, you see it where like people as head coaches, it maybe just stops working for them at a certain place. They get an opportunity somewhere else to be good. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could go as as close to the state with a guy like Jim Schwartz who just mm-hmm. coached a defense to a, a Super Bowl. So, you know, switching from a head coach where he didn't really work out the lines getting switched there. It's the same kind of situation and obviously a smaller scale in college football. But nevertheless, this stuff happens all the time. I don't think it's that weird. But um, I do think it's definitely interesting about it, though, is, you know, they played Florida early this season and with the fan base. I don't think anyone really liked McElway or the comments no. that he made after the game. And I think that's what makes it kind of so hard right now for people to really accept him coming into this program. And I, I, I mean... It might sound crazy, but Michigan fans are so into their football that it almost is kind of like you know will this affect them as a coach?
1: It's it's almost it's almost well I, I don't know I think it's kind of sad when you look at it because Michigan fans are oh McElwain, you Wayne know, all the things that he said this and that blah 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 all the the Twitter hate that that Michigan fans dish out dished out to him I think sometimes you know that's where you got to look at it and you got to say. You might not, you might not like the guy. He might not be your best friend, but that's why you're a fan. He doesn't have to be your best friend, and you got to look at it as a, as a business decision. If you're a fan, will this help the Michigan football team? And I, and I think yes.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see any reason why it's not going to help him. I and mean, what, I mean, really, what else could you go get out and get better than to get someone right. as a head coach, be able to put in a position
1: like that, especially he, if he's willing to accept it. He was the head coach of Florida. I mean, Florida, yeah, they had an awful 2017 season, but. I mean, they, they won back to back SEC Eastern Division division titles in 15 and 16. Mm-hmm. He he's a guy that that's been all around the league. Like I don't know who else you'd want. No, I, I he, don't. he's been he's been a guy that he I mean he developed AJ McCarron mm-hmm. at, at Alabama back when he was the the offensive coordinator there. That that's and he gained he was the one who was recruiting him, and he helped develop him. Th- those are the things that I look at and I just say geez, go get him!
0: When just in an offensive mind, in the past he's had success throughout his mm-hmm. whole career. So when you, when you look at it in that way, and that's really what Michigan needs is someone to come in and obviously give them more success on offense. I don't think it can be a bad thing. Um, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how he gels the rest of the coordinators around there too. Because I mean, it's all new pretty much. And but. and when
1: it well when it comes down to defense too. I mean, you mentioned offensive. You know, he he's been mm-hmm. all all for that. Defensively, he really hasn't been a good defensive head coach. No, never. But. I mean, who the hell cares? You got Don Brown, right? Yeah, exactly. I it mean, don't, it don't Don really Brown matter, and it doesn't really matter yeah. at all.
0: No, that's one of the best offensive coordinators in the country, if not the best. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think it is too. Um, it's it's definitely been a, a big talk this week, and it's gonna be interesting to see how it all kind of actually rolls over um, and goes out. But I don't I don't think right now you can really say anything bad about it until you know the season comes out. But I mean. It definitely is a big move, in my opinion. When this is such a big season for for Jim Harbaugh and what they're doing, so he's really putting a lot of faith in this guy if he's going to bring him in.
1: Here's here's the deal: when when push comes to shove, if he's calling the plays, you know, I I, I hope Tim Drummond doesn't listen to the podcast, but anything's <laughs> better than Tim Draven now.
0: Yeah, no, I last year they definitely struggled in that way, and I mean, as much as the problems as it started, I mean. You got to give the guy a little bit of slack just because the fact that, I mean, their best receiver is in Peoples-Jones, who wasn't ready to be in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. They're playing John O'Corn half the season, and I don't think Brandon Peters, I mean, with how he ended the season, you know, it was kind of like his audition is what they kept yeah. calling it in that game. They didn't play that well. Definitely had some problems with talent, but I think a lot of the play calls that Michigan called last year were ones that put them in bad positions to make plays as young players, uh-huh. and that's definitely something that needs to change this season. I think bringing in an offensive mind like Jim McElwain help that. I yeah, don't think it really does anything to damage
1: it. Yeah, and Harbaugh and Drevno are buddy-buddy and all that kind of stuff, and I get that. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. Leave leave Drevno as the offensive coordinator. Let Drevno do a little recruiting. Let him do his thing, but if, <laughs> if, if McElwain comes in here and, and he starts calling the plays... I, I think that's, that, that's if a good Harbaugh, fit. If that's Harbaugh a really good thinks fit. that
0: he's going to be able to win with it, then let him do what he wants to do, but at some point he's got to start winning. He's got to start winning. That's, start that's winning. just the point of Michigan football in general right now. So
1: Only time will tell.
0: This season's huge, and if he puts mm-hmm. faith in this guy to bring it in, that's saying something about Jim McElwain and how he thinks he's going to be able to gel with everybody else on his offensive coaching staff. So It'll be interesting to see what happens in Michigan football. It's still a ways away, but that's definitely something that's been big this week. Um, but moving on to another another team in the state. Uh, we've been talking about them a lot recently the Pistons. And the one thing that we kind of, like, highlighted is, you know, we talked through their whole trade of Blake Griffin, the other trades they acquired, was how they've been winning. You know, they started to obviously get off on that win streak where they won, you know, five, six games in a row. Well, then we talked about how were they going to respond and they started to lose some games. And they lost three in a row. Um, the, the Clippers mm-hmm. is obviously the uh, the dagger and the heart yeah, there. Um, for Blake Griffin um, Yeah, at least. <laughs> definitely for Blake Griffin. And, I mean, even the guys around him, if they, if they really start to like him, you know, as, as a player and as a person... They knew that game had to mean something to them. So when you lose a game like that, you know, it kind of hurts a little bit real, and, and
1: with and with Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, I mean, all those guys coming back to to you know yeah, in the LCA and playing and yeah. winning a game. I mean, that that's also big too. And mm-hmm. almost a little slap in the face, it's, you could say. So it's definitely it's definitely
0: weird. It's not it's it's not uh it's a quick quick turnaround to play that kind of a game. And nevertheless, Pistons lost it at home, so that was a bad loss. And they go to Atlanta they only lose by three, but the, obviously the problem there at the whole Blake Griffin thing, throwing the ball off the back of the guy's head, that was that was kind of like, to me it looked intentional. I know that he kind of like threw his hands up, like why, or you know, don't blame that on me or whatever. I didn't yeah. mean to do that. Like, he threw it at him and immediately tried to say sorry, but really it looked like it was on purpose to me. So you think, you think on purpose? Yeah, I think 100% it was on purpose, man. It, dude, it looked like he straight just plucked that ball right at his head. I mean, I think he could have tried to throw it further.
1: All right, hang on. We're gonna to go to our producer here. Oh uh, man, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you, Blake here. Griffin. You know, tossing the ball up, hit hitting the the, the opposing player in the head. What, what do you think? You think? Uh, I we guys can grant here. You know, you you think? I don't know. You don't know? I don't want to commit to either side because I don't know. I couldn't tell. I don't want to commit to either side. I couldn't tell. We got it in
0: the middle. We got a guy who doesn't think it was, and we got a guy who thinks it was.
1: That's uh, I guess that's the way the world works at sometimes. At the end of the day,
0: there's a lot of different opinions on it, <laughs> yeah. so it's definitely something that, you know, it could it's up in the air, but I don't know. To me, it just looked that way. But then they end up losing to the two New Orleans as well, but then they come back and they beat Atlanta last night, but Atlanta's the like one of the worst teams in the league right now, mm-hmm. and they were up by, well, I think it was as much as 31 points I saw last night. Yeah. They only end up winning the game by six points. So it, it's kind of like, you know, it. it Right. Okay, they get a win, so a win's a win, you get past that. But where's this team going now? Like is the honeymoon phase I think is over. So they're they're definitely just kinda you know, this is like you're starting to think the end of the season, they gotta start winning some games. I yeah. don't know,
1: where are they at right now? Well, I mean I mean right now looking at looking at what you got if you're the Pistons, I mean they're they're done here until um until Star break ends. And they come back from the break and they take on Boston at, at Little Cedars Arena. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a test. Right now Boston's number two in the East. And then they they take on Charlotte, um, the, the Hornets. They're they tenth in the East. That might be a a little bit easier of a game, but but then they follow it up going on the road against Toronto, who's right now number one in the East. Mm-hmm. So you, you got number one and number two in the East. Um, you know, in two of your three games coming back from the break, I think that's going to tell us a lot about this Pistons team. Back I think back-to-back games. Yeah, too,
0: with the, with the, with. The, with the, no rest. It's yeah. back-to-back days.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, Charlotte and then going to Toronto. That that Toronto game going to really be real it's, tough. Really. It's
0: three games in a span of what is that, 4 days right there? The yeah. 23rd, 25th, 26th. Yeah. So I mean that's that's a lot of playing. Like I mean obviously you're on an All-Star break, but mm-hmm. still I, I think I think going into the All-Star break of the win is definitely good. That brings your confidence up. You're feeling good as you go into the break, but how you start the second half of the season yeah. can probably be really indicative of what's going to happen the rest well, then, of the
1: time. Well, then then you you play Toronto on the road and then 2 days later you play you play the Bucks uh, in Milwaukee <laughs> and they're... They they're they're pretty darn good too. They got mm-hmm. the Greek Freak, they got they got guys, they have weapons and all that kind of stuff. And then early March you play the Cavs and then you play Toronto again. Those are back-to-back games, Cavs and Toronto, early in March. There there's just a lot of big games coming up for for this Pistons team. And this is at the point in the season where, you know, in the past when the Pistons have kind of played all right, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like they're they're kind of where they're at, um where they've always been, you know, ninth, 8th, 7th, 10th, all in there in the East at the halfway mark. Kind of where they've they've always been. It almost feels like at the at the halfway point, and you just think they're gonna they're gonna make it, and they're gonna they're gonna have that push. They've got some tough games coming up.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's they got some gonna, really tough it, games. It's going to tell up. us a lot about this team too. I mean, Drummer's numbers been better since Blake Griffin's been there, and obviously, you know, everybody's just kind of been playing better. But the three losses are definitely concerning. And when you play good teams like that coming out of the break, and if you can't get wins, mm-hmm. it's just going to be interesting to see where the attitude goes and how how they handle it as a team. And it's it's nothing you can really tell right now. But it's definitely something to think about. I, I think it's going to be really, really tough for them to get some wins right there.
1: Oh, for sure. And speaking <laughs> of speaking of wins, though, speaking of teams that can get wins, yeah. how about the Cavs? Make the moves. The they Cavs. four straight. The Cavs. Beat Minnesota, Atlanta. It's all right. And then Boston <laughs> and Oklahoma City were their last two wins. They're 34 and 22, third in the Eastern Conference behind Toronto and Boston. I mean, what, what is this team really Those were wins that they really
0: weren't getting. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I know. No matter what, against any team that they played that was decent, it was just a struggle for Cleveland to get any wins. And then they go out and make these moves, and all of a sudden LeBron has just got a brand new family that he seems to just be playing well. And I almost wonder, you know, kind of talked about it back then, did they almost make this trade just to, you know, kind of make him the guy, you know, mm-hmm. there right now? Because obviously with Isaiah Thomas, it just wasn't working. It wasn't the right thing. You know, we talked about how if we thought they could have made the, a better trade to be able to get... Better people, but at the end of the day, it seems to just be working out right now for them.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, in that first win of of their four uh, their four wins in a row, um, you know, the first one was with their their old uh, yes, roster, yes. overtime win over yeah. Minnesota. But I mean, three in a row, um, you know, since all the trades went down, and it, it's just been impressive. They're pretty man. good wins too. I mean, you expect oh, the, yeah. you expect the Oklahoma City game to be close, but the win over Boston, one twenty one to ninety nine. The Atlanta yeah. win
0: was definitely very convincing too. Which I mean, you kind of expect the Cavs to do that either way, but.
1: So, so, you look, you look at the guys they have. I mean, Jr. Smith, he's been there, but he can attack, he can shoot, he can score all around. He he's a good all around player. Rodney Hood can splash from downtown. George mm-hmm. Hill can distribute, and he's a veteran, and he's not playing in a in a big role, because it's LeBron's team. Yeah, and no. I'll get to that. But uh, J, you know, you know, you know, Jordan Clarkson spark off the bench. Larry Nance Jr. just defensive player. He can throw down some some dunks and all that kind of stuff. And then C. D. Osman finally getting minutes and getting in there um you know he's been playing you know very very well in his role he's getting 16 17 18 minutes a game and that's been working out but amongst everything LeBron is finally the clear cut <laughs> superstar on this team no, he yeah. he's, he's always he always no he's always been a superstar on the Cavs. he's always been their star player but Kevin loves injured there's no more Isaiah Thomas there's no more Kyrie oh, yeah there's none. There's none of that. That garbage anymore. That was garbage to LeBron. And for some odd reason, there's no D Wade. For some odd reason, it's working.
0: Yeah, no, it just seems to be better with how it's going with with just this. And he, and he seems to be loving it. Seems to be like being playing with guys like Clarkson and stuff. It's different for him, but mm-hmm. I think that it's a. I think it's been a good thing so far. That it's definitely been the stories right now of the NBA is just how well they've been playing.
1: They, they, it really reminds me of LeBron when he was with the Cavs before. Yeah. but a much improved much more mature LeBron and it's working back yeah. then didn't work they lose they, they they would lose their their games in the in the eastern Conference finals or they would lose their games um you know in the first round of the playoffs and, mm-hmm. and whatnot but
0: I still find it hard to believe that any team is really going to be able to beat. The Cavs, even in the playoffs, in the side of the division, because LeBron can pretty much go out and beat whatever team he wants. Yeah. I think,
1: but but back then he couldn't. That's yeah, the no, thing. Exactly.
0: It's a lot, well, It was a lot different when he was younger. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I mean, just now it's it's completely different. I think mm-hmm. anybody could have guessed that he could have done this probably by himself either way to eventually yeah. get there. But you definitely need role players around him that like. I think it's all about accepting, you know, that he's the guy in your team and accepting your role too. Mm-hmm. I think that they have I think with a guy like Isaiah Thomas, that wasn't something he was willing to accept, and I think that's just better now with him being the only guy there i think it's better for their team.
1: Yeah, i mean i i look back to that, you know, you know back when lebron was young on that team with uh Zeldrutas, they yeah. like, big Z they called him that. Big he Z. he reminds me of of a Larry Nance Jr kind of guy, yep. a defensive player who can who can do a little work inside and I, and i like that. And then you look at you look at a guy like Delonte West, kind of like a George Hill, he can distribute. And then you know Mo Williams, like a, like a Rodney Hood, he can mm-hmm. splash, and and he can also you know couple, run out, out of the guard Rodney position since
0: he's been there. So far.
1: yeah, it's it's just been it's been interesting to look at how those two teams really compare. And you know, like I said, when you look at both the teams, LeBron was a star, clear cut superstar. Nobody was around him, and and I think now is the time where where that's gonna work. He had his couple years in Miami where he was still maturing, still growing, still trying to win the win the rings that he wanted to wanted to win to. So I guess, I guess gain the the views from people and gain the 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 gain the, the experience and the maturity and all that kind of stuff. He's there now. He's ready to go, and and I think if you're gonna if you're gonna go out, if you're LeBron, you want to go out doing it by yourself if you know you can. I think
0: I think no matter what, he's still the maturity. I think you know everything with even when Kyrie was there, I think that they were a good good combination for a while. I just think uh-huh. it, you know became simply too much to overcome Golden State with everything that they had. I still don't think it's going to change this year. I think, you know, right right now, obviously, you know, three wins of the new team in a row isn't going to convince me they're going to be Golden State or anything like that. But I just think with him being alone there, it's the best It's the best position this team could be in. I, I When Kevin Love comes back, I don't think that hurts him too much or anything like that. I think that Kevin Love's a good enough player and is kind of, you know, off the side still more. I've always kind of been up and down in my mind mm-hmm. if I really think that Kevin Love is a star player. Um, I, I mean, he's definitely good, but he's not like one of the big four over at Golden State. So yeah, um, I, I think that r- right now he's clearly the guy and he's like the one player, but he's just the best player in the NBA. So it's it's almost like having two superstars and one player in LeBron. I've always thought that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when that series comes this year and if he can just overtake everything. But it's going to be a lot to ask when you're going up against a guy like Kevin Durant, who did what he did last year, and everybody that's around him, and Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and all that.
1: Yeah, definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I'm excited to see... And the fact that I'm assuming that is pretty sad, but that's just—I mean, that's just where the NBA is. I'm excited at. to see where, where things go. I mean, you know, the Warriors are going to be going to be there. There's definitely teams in that side of the division that can compete. What about Toronto? Nobody talks about Toronto. Yeah, they're, they're they're a good team. They're a good team too. I mean, they're up there right now in, in at the top of the East. They're they're above the Cavs. They're above the the Celtics. Hmm. Well, nobody talks about Toronto. No,
0: I mean. Th- the Cavs could possibly lose this year. I'm not gonna say that it's like a for sure road. I think this is definitely a year where yeah. if any of them I could pick it. And the same thing on the other side too. I think a team like OKC could sneak up and be Golden State. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think that it could. It's definitely a possibility. There's teams that's there, fair. There's teams out there that could do that. I think this year, um, on that side of the division that could possibly beat them. Probably not. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the finals of those two. Um, and what happens if they end up making it together. But right now, um, I don't I think it's pretty hard to deny that, you know, Cleveland's going to go anywhere else do you think that they're going to go down or do you think they're going to keep up with this this win Oh, they'll, routine? oh
1: they'll, they'll keep going up i mean i think, you think every this team... is just
0: lebron now like this is it
1: yeah like... this is just lebron i think every team has their struggles and all that kind of stuff i mean i wouldn't put it past them to to lose three in a row at some point yeah. i wouldn't put oh, it past yeah, yeah. them to lose four in a row at some point mm-hmm. but in the end it's only going up i see him you know by the end of the year they'll be number one in the east <laughs> it, it it'll be you know, it'll be. it'll Even be are not, when they get to
0: the playoffs, it's just like I find it hard to believe any team's gonna stop them.
1: Because LeBron has a switch in his in his he mind, in his body. I don't know what it is, but he has a switch, and he turns it on. It when he rests a lot during the season and too. They they sit
0: him more, and they don't yeah. play him as much. His minutes obviously go up the minute. I mean, obviously he's at 37 minutes a game right now, so he's playing a lot, but. It's just like when he gets to the playoffs, it's just like it's kind of different. I feel like the effort just turns up and he kinda saves it all year. He's smart enough to do that. So yeah, he knows if he can make the playoffs, he can beat any team in that side of the division. So why not make myself be the best player at that time of the year? That's <laughs> right. kind of how it works. And yeah. I I think, I think that's definitely what goes through his head a lot. But um, nevertheless, they seem to be able to do it every year. So we'll see if it happens again this year. But we'll uh we'll switch the topic over to baseball. Um, and that's the one that I can definitely Ooh. talk about for a while because man, I love some baseball, but it's definitely been underplayed this year in the state, and it's just there's not as much excitement. Nobody um, cares. With, yeah, exactly. With the pitchers and with the way last season ended, it's hard to. But when you got Rod Gardenhire coming in now as your as your coach, it'll be a lot different um, from Brad Osmus and what obviously occurred there for the past few seasons. Wasn't good, and he made the playoffs one time with teams that clearly should have made. Or not the past couple of years, but the first two years that Brad was there, definitely should have made the playoffs. One year he made it, got swept by the Orioles. Next season was mm-hmm. a complete bust, and it just never. Never added up. And there's plenty of injuries and things that went wrong, but this team just kind of kept getting old. And finally, Ala Vila last year said, We're done. We're gonna sell. We're gonna get rid of all these guys. It's definitely debatable if he did a good job of it or if he did a bad job of it. And we're gonna find out this year. Um I think that some of the trades, like the JD one, I don't think anybody in the state of Michigan liked that trade. I don't think they got enough back for it. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of trades mm-hmm. that I don't think that people think they got a lot back for. There were some decent ones, but they got rid of people. Um, and it's definitely going to be a new look team this year.
1: It's one thing that you can't deny. I agree, but I also I also disagree. I think we're not going to know this year. I don't think we're going to go. Oh next no! Year. I mean, you might not I mean, know. You might not yeah. know everything this year. I'm you just saying I'm that you're going to start.
0: You're going to start finding out some stuff with some of these players, like you know, a, mm-hmm. a Candelario playing a full season. Yeah, is what they're expecting right now. Is a guy yeah. like that to play? A I mean, full- he looked he
1: looked really good last year when he was <laughs> when he was
0: there. Yeah, I mean, he looked good, but and Martin most likely playing center field. That's that's another position where it's like yeah. All of a sudden, these guys have got to step in. Dixon Machado, he's never played a full season. It's gonna be definitely be really exciting for that guy to finally get a chance and see what he can actually mm-hmm. do. He's never really had it with a bat in the MLB, but he's always been a guy. I mean, I growing up in West Michigan, I used to watch him play all the time at the Whitecaps, and he was someone that was just the big name around there. Everyone kind of expected him to finally get his chance. He's gonna get it this year. It'll just be interesting to see what happens. And then the the middle of the lineup being, you know, Victor uh, Cabby, and Castellanos are most likely what'll still be.
1: And then you got to look at V-Mart though. He's losing body parts, man. Like every season, he's losing body parts. I don't even know how he's out there walking anymore.
0: Victor Martinez, the the
1: thing about keeping him around
0: always was is that he's the clubhouse guy. He's the guy that can kind of you know give the younger guys like mentorship and whatever. From and, what I heard last year, it wasn't like that with him around there. He wasn't as much of a positive influence, and he was always hurt, and it just wasn't as good. So at this point, to me, it's kind of like, why is this guy even still on this team? Here's
1: my thing. You have a DH spot. I mean, who else are you going to put in oh, there? Oh, I don't know. I mean, You know what I mean? <laughs> that's my thing, though. I, yeah. I don't know who else would, would be a better option at this point. Plus, switch hitter in the heart of your lineup. That's nice to have. Everyone knows it's a rebuild year, and Mm -hmm. they're just trying to get through it, and it
0: still is going to be. Now, the thing is about the MLB recently is you have a bunch of different teams that have done it. The Royals did it back when they won a World Series. Last year at the Astros, that was a team with a lot of young players. A pitching rotation that was very young until they got Justin Verlander at the end of the season, but it was a a rotation that just kind of got put together through their own farm within just two to three years. So, you know, recently in the MLB, it's just kind of been a speed-up process. Everyone says, oh, there's no way the Tigers could be good for the next four to five years. With the way the recent trends have been in the MLB, this team could definitely be good within two to three years if they got the right players through trades. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be with today's game that players are advancing quicker and they're getting better faster. It's not going to happen this year, like you know, unless unless if we get a 2006 shock again, it's not going to happen this year. And, mm-hmm. and that and that season was even more different because it was just a lot of, you know, washed up veterans that got thrown into a team and you know kind of gave it Sorry, everything they had in a lot ball, of time yeah. and started playing good. This is a bunch of young guys mixed with a bunch of old guys, and you really just don't even know how it's going to go. Um, their pitching rotation, you know, we, t- we were talking about this before the, the podcast actually started. It's kind of like the strength, and right now they actually have, you know, it's like six guys you could almost project that can mm-hmm. possibly get a start there. Obviously, Michael Fomer is going to be your number one once he comes back from his injury. It was kind of scary at the end of the last season with the way end of the season getting injured and everything, but you're looking at Matt Boyd, Daniel Norris, uh, Jordan Zimmerman, and Mike Fires, who's the pitcher they acquired, uh, kind of a more veteran guy like Zimmerman that'll be coming in, hopefully can give them some more. Kind of struggled last year at that 7-8 and record and a four point one seven ERA, but he's had success in the past, so it'll be interesting to see what he can bring to the table. Um, him and Zimmerman are two guys that if they actually came out, and I don't. I don't think this will happen at all. Just watching Zimmerman last year and in the past couple seasons, how much of a bust he's been. He,
1: he was pretty good with the with the Nats, though. Oh, he, was, he was. He was good. Was the Nationals ever since he's been in Detroit. It's been a. It's been a dumpster fire. It's been, so it's been rough.
0: It's been really bad looking. at Norris hasn't. Him. Norris so, hasn't lived up to Daniel Norris has never actually been good in the MLB since he's been there. And he's all, that, there's always talk around. Nor is this, nor is that. I mean, it's cool that he lives in a van. Lives out out of a van. But But it doesn't mean that he's good at baseball. And and that's been been the problem so far is that every time he gets the MLB, he either gets injured or he can't find consistency with his his off-speed pitches. And and that's something he's going to have to figure out. Even his fastball has been a problem. And Matt Boyd has really been the guy that's actually shown more consistency but at the same time, he's had his problems too, where he gives up a lot of runs. Like mm-hmm. he's shown those bright spots for for a couple straight starts. Well, oh, yeah, he'll be really good out of nowhere, and like he he looks unhittable. Didn't he and then you have a one hit game or he something. He did. He had a yeah. one hitter this past yeah. year. Yeah, and then there was, there was just definite bright spots that came out of some of the starters last year. It's sad to even see Buck Farmer's name down there as a guy that could possibly be a projected starter. <laughs> that's, that's my problem. Looking at the bullpen. Um, oh, the bullpen's going to be a mess still. I mean, Shane
1: Green, Daniel Stump, <laughs> Alex Wilson, be sure. Blaine Hardy, Drew Verhagen, Buck Farmer. Okay, and, the three names and, you just
0: said, and Drew Verhagen, Alex Wilson, um, and uh, God, I can't think of the other one you just said. Um, Blaine Hardy? Blaine Hardy. Those are three names that I've been hearing just go around that bullpen for the past three seasons that have never found success and they're still just hanging around. Over.
1: But... But Jimenez, though, yeah, no, he's getting definitely his, getting that, his
0: time. That's like one of your if you're a Tigers fan coming the season, you just really got to accept. If you're a Tigers fan coming the season, you're not going to win games. What you're looking for is what's what's going to be your future and mm-hmm. what's going to be good and what can be consistent. And Jimenez is definitely one of the guys you're looking for. That, that, that. that's
1: the sad thing though. You have this awful bullpen, but this star, this young star, yeah. sitting in the middle. You know, you have a you have an awful rotation. but You got a young star of Fulmer in there. It's just kind of rough to look at. It's it like where at. They they have they have a couple <laughs> young guys and that are really good, but overall this 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 team's this team Well, and they,
0: I mean you think about guys like Michael Fulmer and stuff that they've seen the the ups. They've seen the Justin Verlander's come through and every and everybody else has been like so good when he first got there. When Fulmer first got in the rotation, they were still a team that you know missed the playoffs by one game. They came out a little bit too late mm-hmm. at the end of that 2015 season. They were they're were right there, but they just came out a little bit too late. I think, in my opinion, if they would have got that going a little bit earlier with Fulmer and everything, they probably could have made the playoffs and actually been a decent a, a decent competing team that year. But then, you know, you kind of thought with the same team coming back last year was going to be good, and then everything just fell apart in the middle yeah. of the season and never came back, and the team was clearly going to sell. So it's like a lot of these guys are, are going to have to believe in Al and that he's going to make the right moves and that he's going to make it um, good for them to be able to play because you're looking at this lineup right now and you just got to know in your head, no matter what you're saying and how positive you're trying to be, you got to know it's going to be very difficult for this team to win games to be able to actually make a playoff spot this year.
1: Yeah, and look, looking at another guy that that was in the bullpen last year, Bruce Rondone, he was a guy that the Tigers had. Well, he was a guy that the Tigers had since since he was 17 years yep. old. Oh yeah. You know, he's now he's 27, so he's been there. I mean, he's been there for 10 years, and, and the Tigers released <laughs> him. Um, you know, after kind of blowing up last season and Bruce really struggling. Bruce Rondon's
0: had a lot of problems on and off the field.
1: Did, did he kind of remind you of uh, of Joel Zamaya at all? I mean, he, did, he pitches, but kind of. I mean, he threw fat. Joel Zamaya
0: was just. Jules Amal was different. Jules Amal was different. His off-speed pitch was way better, and and, and the fastball that he had was just so much more electric, and I think it it just moved
1: more. Rondon had nothing.
0: Rondon just threw a a fastball right in the middle that was 100 miles an hour. Yeah, to me, in high school, that's something I could never hit because it's something that was a fast. Mm -hmm. To a major league that's seen 100 of these pitches, that's nothing, man. That's an easy pitch to hit.
1: You've seen a guy like a Roldis Chapman throw at you.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're going to be
1: able to hit what Rondon stops in. It's
0: it's different when you have a a pitch you can throw at someone they actually have to think about in the back of their head. Bruce Rondon's fastball is all that he had. That, it, was, that's, it just That's
1: really what I'm hoping just isn't going to happen with Jimenez, though. And Alex
0: Wilson's been a guy, too, out of their bullpen that's had success in the past. But the problem with Alex Wilson is, is like, last year, he just kind of looked like he could never really get it back together. Back when they really, really struggled in 2015, um, for a while, he was kind of the, the one guy in the bullpen that was actually good. And then last year, he struggled. He's a guy that the Tigers are definitely going to try to mm-hmm. expect to come back and be good this year. I mean, let's be honest, probably not going to happen.
1: All right, so let's go back to, to 2003. That, that team... <laughs> Yeah, you're already laughing because you know, 43 and 119, oh better gosh. or worse.
0: Oh man, uh, I mean that—that's a lot to say, and I definitely think that 43 wins is hard to say that anything will ever be worse than that. So I don't think they're going to be worse than that, but I don't think they're going to be much better than that. I think this is a 55, 60 win
1: team. I, I'm I'm giving them 61 wins. Yeah, this that's year. what I'm
0: saying. I think it's around that area. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to make the playoffs, they're not gonna even be in the race. It's not gonna be close. I think that they're gonna be a team that's close to that kind of a marker, but it's hard for me to believe that
1: any team can be that bad again. I don't it's, know. It's though, hard to predict I mean, that. Oh they, they are they,
0: you look at their lineup they well, it's yeah, terrible I know.
1: Well look look, look at this two thousand three <laughs> Tigers team. I mean they, oh they had gosh, some man, they had some hear the names they had team. some decent players. I mean they, they, had, Bondre- oh, no. was, they had they had Jeremy Bonder Jeremy Bonderman that was in the Nate know. Robertson yeah, uh, You know, Fernando Rodney oh, was there, terrible. Brandon Inge, Omar Infante, <laughs> round one Omar Infante. Yeah, seriously. Carlos Pena, Ramon Santiago. Carlos oh, Pena. Before, yeah, the Tigers had him. He wasn't Craig you know, Kraft, Craig, Craig Monroe, him, Dimitri good. Young. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I was in Trammell so was bad. the manager. They
0: are so bad. They were bad, but is this team worse, though, <laughs> no, Andy? I don't, I don't know, man. This hard, team
1: might be worse. It's hard
0: to believe. I mean, okay, the thing is, is, like guys like Victor Martinez and Miguel Cabrera are definitely better than anybody they had in that team. Now, I mean, they're at, yeah. the, they're at the end of their careers, so it's not like they're going to carry them to wins or anything like that. I mean, I, I think that Miguel Cabrera will come back and have a better season this year. Oh, I hope I, so. I don't think there's any way he hits as bad as he did last year. That was awful last year, and I mean, he I don't think he could even stand himself. I think he figures that out and just has too much pride to be that bad again. But Victor Martinez, I just don't think is good anymore. So I, I think it's going to be very tough for him to hit over 300 if he even gets near it um, this season. Hit 269 last year. So we'll see what happens there. Nick Cassianos is definitely a guy that you want to see continue to make progress because he's going to be a big player.
1: And he'll be out uh, in right in the, in the field probably. Years. Yeah,
0: he's going to be an outfielder this year. That's most likely the move. Uh, they were already doing that towards the end of last season. He started to play some games out there. It's kind of been expected. But. He, at the plate, you just want to see him stay consistent this year with the power numbers staying up and everything else. He had a pretty good season last year. That when all is said and done, you know, uh, twenty-two homers and the, the two seventy-three average. That's what you'll take out of that kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever really going to get too much better than that than being a two eighty hitter at the at the highest. So where I, he's at is pretty good, but you want to see that continue. And so,
1: sure. so I, I was doing some research online and stuff like that, looking at. You know, projected lineups, kind of just I kind of gave my own projected lineup and then kind of just fact checked it a little bit with what other people were saying, mm-hmm. and and one website was predicting their bench and it was it was their four main bench players they were they were predicting and it was John Hicks at catcher, <laughs> what you need a backup catcher and that, that's who they got. Their best, then, that's their best option right and now. Here we John go, Hicks. here we here we go. This is where it gets bad. You got infielder <laughs> Ronnie Rodriguez, outfielder Victor Reyes. An infielder Cody Eves.
0: Vic, Victor, wait, say those other two. Victor Reyes, Victor Reyes, Cody Eves, and, Cody, and Ronnie Rodriguez. Ronnie Rodriguez sounds like he plays on backyard baseball. <laughs> that's what to I'm be, saying. To be completely honest. Like, man, that doesn't sound I, I, that's like a, what I'm saying. That's just like, those sound like made-up players, man. I, I don't even uh-huh. I, At this point, it's so bad. I remember John Hicks last year hit a couple of home runs in one game, and everyone was so pumped. They're like, oh, man, these guys are coming out of nowhere. These are going to be our guys that just, you know, Save us and kind of just get us in the playoffs and then he just didn't get a hit the rest six, of the year almost. Six
1: dingers, two sixty-six at the dish. I think that's I mean he was he was right. decent at
0: times last year for what he is. I mean he's what he one is, of those yeah. guys that's like, oh yeah, well we're just gonna throw him in the lineup. Mikey Matuk's a guy that's really interesting. Like, he might I, he might be a dog. I I, I want to see what happens to oh, him yeah. this year. I think he's one of those guys that, you know, I don't think he's ever really gonna be that good, but he tries so hard. He could definitely be someone that's on this bench in the future years and he has a little bit of power. I mean, 16 homers last year out of nowhere. That's pretty good. A two sixty batting average isn't terrible. He kind of mm-hmm. tanked um, after his his really really big start of like 330 or whatever it was for a while there. He was hitting yeah. so good, but he's got a little bit of speed, which the Tigers haven't had. So that's that's good to see. You know, he's got he had seven steals last year. So see what he's able to do. Um, that, that's where Martin comes in. It's kind of exciting with his 18 stolen bases last year. So mm-hmm. they're definitely trying to add some speed with the, with the young people there, but. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, don't, it's hard for me to predict this Tigers team. Being I'm, ours.
1: I'm excited to see, you know, the young guys come up. You know, I've been hearing a lot about Franklin Perez, Matt Manning, Bo Burrows, Christian Stewart, even Daz Cameron. I mean, Kyle Funkhauser, You, you name it. Michael Gerber as well. He's, he's been, mm-hmm. he's been a solid prospect coming up. I'm just excited to see what some of these guys that are that are in the minors can do, and just kind of look at that for for hope of a of a future. Because if you want to try to trade to get any big stars. Your prospects haven't produced yet. I mean, I mean, really though, their prospects and the miners haven't. They haven't had that of a farm system. Yeah, because they've had all these big name players. So this is really their first year having a, a solid, solid, solid farm system. So if you want to get a big name player. You got, problem, you got you got nobody to trade. That's
0: the problem with the Tigers, and that's why everybody that, that's why it's very understandable. People think they won't be good for four to five years because simply they still don't have money to spend. They
1: don't have and, money. And they, they don't they have and players still, to trade. They don't have anybody. They're still in a, they're still in that
0: problem with all these people that they owe money. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're still paying Prince Fielder. I mean, maybe the end. No, this no, they year. are. No, they are. Yeah, they like are. that's that's where it's at right now. Is it's still like they're spending so much money on these people they had. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on you know uh, Dave Dombrowski for it because. Those are the best years of Tigers baseball, man. From 2006 to 2012, yeah. they had good teams. And, yeah, they never got it done, but he put them in the position to do it. He it was a wizard with the trades. Yeah, exactly. He was he a wizard. He made great moves, and he brought in people. I mean, the season when they had a rotation of Max Scherzer, Rick Purcello in a, in a year where he was very was good really still, good. With uh, Anibal Sanchez, who was the ERA leader in the MLB that season, uh-huh. Justin Verlander. And, and uh, David Price. And, and David Price, So they brought in midway. They didn't win a World Series of that. That's not on Dave Dombrowski. That's that, such
1: a good rotation. That was when Porcello was. That's Porcelo the best rotation was, in baseball. Did he make the All-Star game, or did he
0: almost make the All-Star he, he, game? I don't think he made the All-Star game. I think game he was close, yet, though. But he, he was having a good season, nevertheless. Yeah. He never even really pitched in the playoffs because the Tigers got so far, and then mm-hmm. they got swept in that final series. So, it's it wasn't his fault, but they're definitely going to be struggling to get out of that now. Um, with that. And, and Alvila is put in a tough position. Personally, I have not been a fan of Al Avila's moves, but... I think that he has definitely been put in a tough position to be able to make good moves with what they have. Yeah. And last year he it just had to happen. You know, he had to get some trades going.
1: There's not really I mean there's there's not really any options. They're 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 in a when tough you, when spot. When you think about it.
0: They're in a very tough spot and it's gonna be interesting to see how over the next couple of years they're able to progress it and figure it out. But do you think this team's gonna be worse? Is it gonna be worse than that two thousand three team?
1: I Honestly, no. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna give them. I'm gonna give them 60, 61 you wins said in the 60, season.
0: 61 wins, but you don't think you don't think. There's, no way.
1: There's can't be no that bad, way. right? There's no way. <laughs> That's
0: what everybody thought that year too, if it happened.
1: There is no <laughs> way. There's no way. If
0: it happens, it happens. But
1: we'll I mean, see. you still have a guy that. I mean, you have a guy in Fulmer that can guarantee you, you know, uh, a win and at least, you know, I don't know, two in every three starts. I would say. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough.
0: We'll see what happens. I don't we'll, know. Fulmer is gonna have to carry a lot out of that pitching rotation, to be able to give them some wins. You know what but they
1: ought to do. They ought to just bring Don Kelly back, let him start playing. <laughs> Don Kelly was the goat.
0: <laughs> Don Kelly
1: was uh, was pretty
0: interesting, but um no okay so we'll we'll wrap up the show now with our stud and duds. It's enough Tigers baseball, but we'll we'll keep going with that. We gave them too to much, didn't, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we, well I, I think we might have. I think we talked about a team that is just. We're gonna have to see what happens, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely excited to. To get our coverage going further with them. Oh yeah. Um, throughout the season here, because baseball to me, whenever baseball starts coming around, I mean the weather's getting warmer and it's getting better outside, so it's never a negative thing to me.
1: Um, but Evan, your stud. Yeah. So my stud, I'm sticking uh right here in Mount Pleasant, going with Kevin McKay, CMU men's basketball, uh, sophomore guard, 33 points, seven rebounds, three assists on 14 of 20. From the field in central Michigan's eighty to seventy two win over Northern Illinois. That game was on Tuesday, February thirteenth. Really, he's been producing all year, Andy. You know, you and I cover the team. He mm. should be starting. He's not. For some reason, you know, you know, Josh Kaczynski's getting getting those starts, but McKay's coming in a minute into the game. Honestly, I think in that situation, gotta start the kid, but <laughs> that's just me. I'm yeah. not coach.
0: I don't know. Some people on Twitter didn't think that the other night, but that was weird nevertheless um yeah no my uh, my stud's Duncan Robinson uh for Michigan because mm-hmm. not just because of last night because of the performance that he had because being around that basketball team all year and kind of covering them and you know we talked about college basketball obviously we didn't bring it up in this podcast but Michigan went one on one last week had the, the loss to Northwestern, which kind of hurt them, but now they get a couple wins in a row still so looking pretty good for the tournament and then Michigan State obviously had their big win mm-hmm. um to recap that over Purdue, so that was a huge win for them um but no I I Duncan Robinson just the way that he's handled himself this year. Um, being around that team and having to accept that he wasn't gonna be the starter anymore, and that Isaiah Livers gonna be put in that role simply because of what he can do um, defensively and just kind of being a more effective player without gels. Robinson never complained, and I think coming off the bench is just where he's the best. I think when he comes off that six man, it kind of brings him in and makes him better. And last night he had a career high night of six three pointers and kind of carried him to a win over Iowa. So um, Duncan Robinson, good for you, um, and I think I think he's uh, I think he's been doing the job since he's yeah. gotten switched to that role.
1: Yeah, and then uh, as far as, as far as my dud You're goes. Done. Trey Young, uh, from Oklahoma, he's a he's a he's a darn good player. Don't get me wrong, he's a really good player. I, I think he's you know top ten draft pick. I don't. Some people are saying top five and stuff like that, but I don't I don't like to get into into that too much. But you know Oklahoma, they've lost four straight games, and in his most recent game, he was 0 of nine uh, from the three point line, and his team lost to Texas Tech, and then the game before that on February 10th. One of eight from three-point range, and a team loss to Iowa State. And then, if you want to kick it back um, to that first loss of the four-game losing streak, he was like two of fourteen from from downtown. That mm-hmm. that's that's just rough for a guy that was so hot, um, really throughout the entire season. And now he started to kind of kind of fall off a little bit. Wondering how that kind of is going to affect his draft stock. But we'll see if he can if he can turn it around.
0: Sure, my dud is going to be Purdue. Um, I, I really can't ignore it. Um they were a team that looked like they were just destined to win the Big Ten and they really have choked on the stretch against two of the better teams in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan State. Um weren't able to get the job done against either one of them and kind of lost both those games and during the closing seconds they had a lead um over Michigan State for a while and they also had a lead over uh um Ohio State even even close to the end of that game they weren't able to get the job done. So Matt Painter's bunch has really got to get themselves back together. Um they're definitely still in the Big Ten race because 'cause they're only out of it by a game and with a team like Michigan playing Ohio State this weekend. Um, I think if you're a Michigan State fan right now and if you're a uh, um, Purdue fan, you're definitely cheering for Michigan to get that win, and I think Michigan needs that win too, so everybody's in the same boat <laughs> around the state wanting to get that one this weekend, but that's definitely um, a dud performance so far for those, for them recently with Purdue. Um, but that'll wrap up our podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we appreciate it, and uh, make sure you guys follow CM Life Sports to keep updated on it, CM Life's uh, Twitter account as well. Um, is where this is posted every week. You guys can find it on iTunes and stuff like that, so... Make sure you guys are listening. For Evan, I'm Andy, and we'll talk to you next time.